Referees, referees, referees. We had a case of mistaken identity a week ago. We had fouls that should never have been a red card given given as a red, and we had career-ending challenges not even penalised by the referees the past week of the Indian Super League. Hi, I'm Shreyas, and welcome to another edition of our weekly recap of the Indian Super League. Uh, we're in week three, and I'm proud to say I'm joined by Dibhuti Bhattacharya, and for whom last night was finally some joy for East Bengal. <laughs> Ah, you can't say it was very. It was so much choice because the game was extremely bad in my opinion. I think I don't think uh, either of the either of the sides settled into the game, and a lot of those a uh, lot of the uh, brunt of it is she should be bared by the referee again. I think there was some ridiculous calls. Uh, referee being scared to uh, give a foul, sometimes giving uh, fouls on very cheap challenges. So very inconsistent throughout the game, and that kind of infuriated both the managers on either side and the players itself. And this is a recurring trend that uh, we are seeing each each uh, each match because in the first week we kind of appreciated the referees being able to hold their own uh, without the crowd effect. They were more uh, imposing on the on the game. But as we have gone on in the second week and the third week, we've just seen. The level of refereeing being uh, extremely horrendous. I think it's it just uh, has deteriorated. Yeah, indeed, and uh, there are no excuse for referees right now. Um, on a week that has actually given us more of a case to kind of bash them and show or call them out, really. Um, but welcome to Floodlight Robbery, where we're going to discuss how referees still haven't learned from their past mistakes, and also talking about a few players that have caught the limelight this week, um, apart from being a consistent performer over the past few seasons. And we also look at Bengaluru FC's struggles in creating chances from open play. Um, of course, if you haven't subscribed or follow, followed us yet, please do take out your time to make sure that you follow us on all our social channels. We're on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And if you want to listen to us on Spotify, please subscribe. So without further ado, let's kick on. So the referees... We've had so many incidents over the years that have been quite hilarious, to be honest. You know, we had penalties given for fouls outside the box. We had um, handballs given for balls uh, for for plays where the ball touched the top of the shoulder. Uh, we've had wrong players being sent off. We've had kerfuffles on the touchline, which haven't gone, uh, which haven't been penalized. Where does this end now? Where is the ending point or the tipping point for the ISL to realize that the referees are just a joke? I think you know it. It begs the question that we always keep saying that referees are also human. They are susceptible to the odd mistake. But this is something that we have been seeing. Uh, we have been saying since the start of uh, the start of the ISL, and it's been quite a few seasons since then. And a lot of games were refereed by foreign referees. But now that the fact that a lot of Indian referees are being entrusted upon to be in charge of the games, I think uh, the question is even more pertinent. Because uh, the level of the Indian referees just haven't improved, and this goes on uh, from the I League to the ISL also, uh, and this is costing teams because uh, bad refereeing can change change games and define seasons. I think last season, Jorge Costa, Mumbai City's coach, uh, complained of uh, of when uh, one of his players was brought brought down by the Chennai goalkeeper right outside the box, and a clear goal scoring opportunity being denied, as we all know, should should be a direct red, and the keeper wasn't sent off. Uh, and minutes later, a Mumbai City player, Saurav Das, got sent off, and uh, they ended up losing the game. So, refereeing decisions uh, define games and seasons, and uh, it kind of defines the mood of the game also. 
yeah, a referee being inconsistent makes uh, teams in you know become very rash in the way they they go on about the game. Uh, the game starts losing control, and when the game starts losing control, we stop playing football. We start doing something else, and it's just the question that uh, needs to be attended to needs to be attended to uh, as quickly as possible. But I'm not sure how. Well, do you think your team was unlucky with some own pull decisions? Uh, it's uh, we cannot talk the unlucky. This word unlucky, it's 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 very nice, you know. Uh, we have to talk clear text, you know. Uh, uh, this was uh, uh, very 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 bad decisions made, which one uh, cost us uh, definitely. Well, there's Jabba Laszlo's quotes after the game. Um, Chennai, and of course, dropped points against um, Mumbai City, who you might say were very, very lucky in that sense to get the favourable calls from the referee. On 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 the night, it was Ajit Kumar Mete who was the referee, and um, I, I think it was shocking to me uh, after the game when I checked up on his background that he's won the AFF Referee of the Year um, last season for 1920. Uh, when you have a referee of supposedly the highest standard of Indian football. Um, committing errors like we saw in that game. You know, we, we saw Amir Jehu get, you know, lucky for two uh, penalty shots that should have been nailed on penalties, really. And he was even lucky to stay on the pitch. And so uh, uh, so was um, Eli Sabia from Chennai NFC. When you have so many calls going against one particular team, and it's, it's something of a recurring trend in the game, like you said, it changes the whole complexion of the game. Suddenly, a team just feels aggrieved. Do you just feel like everything's going against them? So they kind of try and harder and harder and mistakes creep in. We saw Vishal Kate making the most high-profile mistake of the game that led to Mumbai City winning the game. Um, where do you stand on you know Indian referees and how they've not really improved over the five or six years that the ISL has been in existence? I mean, uh, we, we, look, we look outside India and we see these refereeing programs being happening from FIFA, from UEFA. Do, do you know of any uh, in India as such uh, where referees get uh, educated, where referees have a chance to improve the game? In fact, there's uh, there's actually um, there's a dearth of opportunities, first of all. And secondly, there's no there's no real awareness for referees, isn't there? I mean, you see referees in Europe and maybe around the world who are part-time working somewhere else and, you know, have the uh, chance to maybe work in the summers or learn a lot about refereeing as a profession, get better, get better opportunities. But yeah, like it's just non-existent in India. So I think that's that's one big reason why referees, you know, their level either the stays where they are or just just keeps dropping because, uh, without the opportunity to you know polish themselves to to learn of other other referees, I think uh, the level is you you can't expect the level of referees because as we see the the intensity of the game just keeps on uh, in the ISL it's is getting better, uh, which means the referees have to be uh, very prompt about the decision making. Because they have to keep up with the game, right? No, but, but how can you argue that the level should be there? You know, these referees are FIFA accredited. And by being FIFA accredited, you expect a similar level to the international referees who are also FIFA accredited. You know, technically, these refs could be, um, you know, employed in the FIFA World Cup and they should be performing at that level without, you know, high-profile mistakes. I, again, it, I think it's, it's that bigger question that uh, just because you have a license does not mean you're very good at it. It just means that you're certified to do it. Well, is the so, license a flaw then? Is there a huge flaw in the way that FIFA gives out uh, FIFA accredited license to referees? I, uh, yeah, that, that, that's perhaps something that needs to be backed up with a lot of numbers, uh, comparison on performances and everything. But yeah, just like you said, I mean, Amajau, uh, you know, t- escaping a lot of these uh, 
a lot of these challenges that should have been booked you know has has made him the highest tackler in the league with 36 tackles so uh, i think uh, there are there are some problems like that and that needs to be attended to because the, as of now i think the managers are getting very uh, irritated by by the way the referees are are performing and we've seen that in uh, gerard news we've seen that in uh, the robbie fowler this season and i think uh, even and and if this keeps on going on then i think there there might be just a big big fight that's that's looming ahead well you did mention robbie fowler and one who has obviously vented his frustrations over the referees um last week when East Bengal dropped points for the third time in a row and lost the third game in a row, he said that, you know, the referees are always against us. We get none of the calls. And he kind of reiterated that fact, even though, um, although they were down to 10 men and commendably held on for the first point in the Indian Super League yesterday with a nil-nil draw against Jamshedpur. You can understand his frustration because Eugene Ligno, you can argue, may probably deserve a yellow, um, but his second challenge that got him sent off was... I mean, you can't even think about giving a second yellow. I mean, you could probably think of giving a yellow, but not a second yellow. And um, obviously, when they were down to 10 men for two-thirds of the game, it was a difficult task. And at the end, again, referee coming up with another red card, uh, this time for Didliana for, I think, what was a mistake on his half. But um, immediately after the challenge, it was funny to see the referee did not know that Didliana was already on a yellow card. And <laughs> it was almost like the fourth official had to remind him that Didliana had to be sent off. So... I mean, a comedy of errors is what you can describe the whole incident as and the whole game as. Um, and I think on the back of these two games, it can only get worse from here because we 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 said it we said in the first episode and the first, second episode that we expect the referees to be performing better than they have the last few years. And even after the first week, we got a bit carried away. We said they have improved, but I mean, clearly, if this is the case, um, where do teams kind of seek redress from these you know grievances because? It is going to plague these teams over the course of the season. We are going to see teams that are actually robbed of points. So where does it go on from here? Is there a way that you know teams can probably go and appeal to a certain panel to get um, decisions punished retrospectively? We saw first in the Indian Super League history when um, Len Dungal got a retrospective red card or a match ban. Is there a way that you could probably punish people like Ahmed Joe in the future? Uh as as retrospective punishments, maybe maybe there is a uh, panel that can be appealed to. But from from the point of view of changing the standards of refereeing, I I think that's that's uh, that's something for the next season. I think there comes a point when uh, coaches keep on telling their players that you know just go on to the game thinking the referee is going to go against you, and uh, I think that's the kind of mentality that uh, some teams will just uh, start applying to their game because it's not it's nothing uh, unusual. Uh, for a manager, for a team to expect the referee being against them, uh, even if that's not outrightly something that is happening, maybe it's just something, uh, you know, the being very, very the coincidental that the referee's decisions are going against one team. Uh, but it's something that the uh, the teams should should be considering because at this point in time, uh, if they keep their focus and their faith into the uh, referee to make the right calls. I think they're just bound to lose points. Uh, yeah, of some course. And I just want to end off this this argument saying that FSDL promotes the league and of course it should um, as the fourth most watched league in the world. And obviously it's because of the population, the numbers that are kind of growing um, towards their attractiveness of football in the country. But I mean, obviously if you're the fourth most watched league, um, eventually there will come a point where you are the most criticised league in the world, one of the most criticised leagues in the world. And to have the standard is just appalling. So, 
um i think it in due course or when the fans are back of course in stadiums you will see a lot of stick being thrown to the referees um i think they're very fortunate that they're not playing in the salt lake this year uh because i'm pretty sure um i mean from 10 years ago when a rocket was thrown at the referee you can imagine what the scenes would be right now if a call went against east bengal so um a lot of work there for fstl if they want to really prove and cement their spot as the fourth best league in the world um moving on then to a few players that have actually caught the eye over the past few years and some a couple of indians who've really kind of shown some promise that 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 has got a lot of praise from coaches and fans alike um uh, firstly i want to come on to brandon fernandez um you know juan fernando the fc goa coach um referred to him as a foreign player he is almost as good as a foreign player when he thinks about picking his team now obviously we know brandon is a fantastic player and he's probably a unique player in indian terms because he does things that not many indian players are able to do uh, but why would you think that juan fernando gives him such big praise um considering that he's not really a first team regular for the indian national team I think he kind of fits the way he uh Juan Fernando wants to play. Uh I but something that that's something that's very uh you know evident right now because of because he hasn't used uh, the Brandon in in the whole 90 minutes as much as he would like to because if you uh because uh I'm, I'm th- I think he's he's more of an impact player that uh that can be very useful in that phase of 15 20 minutes or half an hour or one half for that matter he can change the game uh you know he can change the pace of the game he brings a lot of energy uh, brings uh, those incisive passes uh, between the lines that uh, that the fc goa like to play with so uh, and with i uh, with uh, edubedia next to him i think uh, that's something that uh, extremely useful because you know edubedia is the second uh, the second most uh, He has the second most passes in the league, so I think uh, Brandon brings brings a lot of uh, a, a new dimension into the game, which is what uh, which is what Juan Fernando likes, uh, and something that uh, even Igor Stimac should be should be uh, looking at because you know he was very out of sorts with how how to use Brandon playing him on the left, playing him as a number six. So it's good for Brandon that he's getting the minutes and getting the appreciation that uh, is going to give him a lot of confidence, and I think the, that's something that Brandon should be. uh you know the feeding off from and uh, going onwards and upwards upwards from here on yeah i think he's a very special player to watch but of course he fits that certain side of play i'm pretty sure you stick him at a club like northeast he probably wouldn't be as effective um i don't think he's a player that could fit the national team under igor stemach simply because um when you're going up against teams that um probably like to have the ball a bit more than india it is going to be difficult when brandon only has a limited number of touches in the game to kind of impact the game and we saw that in the brief time that he had with the national team in the cup in thailand but um a fantastic player to watch um finally gets some praise from a coach that puts him very highly amongst uh, some of the indian players out there um another player that that has got the exposure really um uh, but has failed to deliver on the promises lalinwala chankte now we remember 6 years ago when he scored that wonder goal in the uh, i forgot which cup it is but in uh, i think it was in kerala one of the cups and i think it was saf cup and he scored a beautiful curler and everyone thought that he was the next big thing um now he has frightening pace he gets into brilliant positions and he's a beautiful he's a dream for any manager in the indian super league because he's a he's a nailed on starter for any team in this league um but the biggest critic of him has been the fact that his end product is almost non-existent be it a cross be it a pass be it a shot he just does not make the right decisions at the right time 
So on that on that note, when we saw his assist against uh, Mumbai City, where he um, took the ball up near the halfway line and dribbled past three or four defenders and got to the byline and cut it back to uh, Sylvester for the goal, um, you have to say that it was a refreshing sight to see that he's actually performing to a level where Shah Balazlo can depend on him for goals and assists. Yeah, Lalan Zola Chante, one more player that uh, you know deserves deserve a lot of recognition because of his talent, and I think has been inconsistent with uh, with his end product. Uh, in the end, because uh, he's something that coaches he coaches recognize because he's fast. You know the pace is as a winger is extremely essential. Uh, he's got the trickery, he's got the positioning sense, and I think he's got everything in his uh, artillery. Just the just that end product that he's been mess- missing. Uh, but in the last game, as we all saw, uh, Chennai extremely uh, extremely fluid in their attacking transition, uh, creating chances at will, and you know extremely unlucky to, for the fact that they could not equalize even with the referee being. Uh, extremely, uh, you know, unfair to them. And uh, this is one more player I think that India has in the same mold as Brandon because uh, somehow Changte doesn't uh, doesn't perform at the national level with the consistency that he uh, he's expected to do. Uh, and that same mold of players that has a lot of uh, talent in the way that India wants to play. You know, the Rainier and the Brandons and the and the Changtes and the Sahals. They kind of play the same way with uh, looking to play more with the ball. Uh, very incisive with their uh, with the way that the, they play, but uh, but Chante has been inconsistent. And do you think he can keep it up? And what makes do you think there's something that uh, the coach uh, has to focus on that makes Chante tick? Yeah, the you said you said right there the transition and knowing where to be when the ball is played and what to do after he gets the ball. Um, we saw the first few games. I think the first couple of games, the whole squad needed some bedding in, and that's expected considering they had only two weeks of preseason. But we, we saw in the Mumbai City game, you know, Chaba Laszlo came with a brilliant game plan that would have worked if the referee hadn't had an agenda against them. And a part of the game plan was having Chante receive the ball in attacking areas and feed um, Sylvester and uh, Crivarero. And uh, what we saw was that he more more often than not kind of picked his man. It was more Sylvester letting the team down than Chante, which is quite good to see because he's finally getting in tune with what the manager wants. Um, something we did see briefly when Owen Coyle was the manager last season. Um, so I think the numbers are important. You know, we talk about how numbers aren't important for some players and, so, and for some it is more important. And I think for Changte, it's definitely important because that's the only thing holding him back. And say he gets five goals and five assists this season, this season anything upwards of that number is is a good good return on on a player that should be in the first uh, first eleven for the national team going forward. Uh, but the game itself, you know, the game itself, um, it, it did create a lot of controversy, of course. But you have to say, you know, the final chance when Sylvester got a header um, in the 93rd minute in stoppage time and plays it right over the bar. I mean, the, the finest of margins, really. Um, it kind of summed up the night, Chennai. It was so close yet so far. So how do you see that game playing out? And was it one of the luckiest victories Mumbai City will ever have this season? I think Mumbai City... Uh... Absolutely, I think with all the quality that they have, uh, I think this is one of Mumbai City's uh, uh, steals. It's a steal three points uh, off of Chennai because this is one game where uh, I think they, they could have just lost uh, even after the referee's blunders. I think uh, Chennai had Chennai had enough chances to uh, equalize and get one more, but just just the nerves they couldn't hold on to the nerves when uh, they needed to be and. It didn't need to be, but I think this is also a turning point for uh, Chennai in that sense because uh, I believe they would kick on from here on and uh, you know they play the 
play the kind of football that they want to play because they have been in the shadows and we have seen that uh, impact the league table as such because uh, there's a top half and the bottom half being uh, created in that sense. Uh, but I think Chen- for Chennai, I think there's a lot of more positives to take uh, than for Mumbai except for the points. But I think uh, Sergio Lobera is going to take those three points and then work on the negatives later on. But for Chennai, there are some positives to take. And I think uh, that's something that they should look to because it's still early stages in the tournament. I think a lot of more games to play out. So this is not something that that hopefully they'll look back and regret because you never know those those two points, uh, those three points that they have lost might might just be the factor between them uh, qualifying for the playoffs or not. Arguably and probably um, he could actually be the number one or the best holding midfielder this season. Um, Kasa Kamara uh, for Northeast United who plays in that that sweeping role where he connects the play between the defence and the attack when they're building play and also breaks up attacks brilliantly. Um, especially considering the style of play where they're kind of sitting back and kind of inviting pressure and trying to snuff out attacks while also uh, looking for the counter-attacking opportunity. I think Kasa Kamara has been a great, great addition to Northeast United. Uh, and we saw that firsthand, you know, against Bengaluru FC, how instrumental he was in making sure that the scoreline stayed within Northeast reach. And uh, what do you have to say about him? And still only 28, really. Uh, does he have a few more years in India? Uh, maybe so, because I disagree with you on the fact that he's the best uh, defensive midfield right now. But I think he's he's up there. He's definitely up there in terms of his stats. Also, he's extremely up there because he's the third on the most tackles... Uh, uh, the most tackles that uh, a player has made, you know, uh, in in the company of Carl McHugh and Ahmed Jau, I think, and those two players are rated extremely highly. Yeah, but what what separates him is the fact that he can play on the ball, and he's so technically well gifted that he can even carry the ball, he can pass the ball, he can break up play, he can win headers. He's physical. I think the all yeah, absolutely, and and it complements the team that uh, it complements the team like. Uh, so, like Northeast, who who are extremely direct, because uh, I think Northeast is a team that has the least passes they have uh, the, they've kind of made uh, between themselves, but has the highest uh, number of goals scored in the league. So for for somebody like him, uh, he's not only just a good defensive midfield. I think he's a leader in the side uh, that the coach has you know uh, put out a lot of uh, responsibility into young players, uh, young players like uh, you know Ninthoy playing on the wings. There are a lot of uh, young Indian players who the coach has put our responsibility and they need uh, you know leader, leaders around them and I think Kasa Kamara is somebody like that so I, yeah, I definitely see him being in India for a few few more seasons uh, because he's got he's got the you know, uh, you know right right attitude right right qualities uh, to play in the center of midfield I think it's a it's a very good uh, asset for Gerard Noose in the way that he wants to play because you know uh, we all have been extremely uh, you know, amazed by the way he has gone about Northeast, haven't we? Yeah, I think the character within the team, you mentioned leadership and I think they have so many leaders, although they have a mix of youth and experience that they never, they were never faced really by Bengaluru going up twice in the game. It was, um, they were always pegging them back. They were always in the game. Uh, Machado had a fantastic game, you know. I think his first true arrival in India, really, his uh, best performance so far of the season. But I think the game brought more questions upon BFC than uh, Northeast United. I think Northeast United would, would feel like it's a win, really, uh, getting a point from that game, while Bengaluru f- would probably feel like they've dropped three points, really, although they've gained one. Um, now, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's fair to say that Bengaluru have failed to uh, dis- uh, failed to deliver so far. There's, there's 
nothing really that suggests that they've rectified the problems that they faced the last last year or so, which is which is mostly um, creating chances from open play. Um, they're still reliant a lot on set pieces. So, how does Carlos Quadrat and his coaching staff really rectify this problem that has just plagued the team for so long now? I think Carlos. Uh, I, I personally, I really am very disappointed with Bangalore. I was looking forward to watching Bangalore play because uh, they come with a reputation, and there are so many good players in the squad. I mean, they're not short on quality by any means, but right now they just look extremely uh, devoid of ideas. They look very. Uh, they look extremely. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of clueless about the kind the kind of football they want to play because I think the way Carlos wants to play is something he's trying to implement something new, but it's clearly not working out because they've made sixteen hundred passes in in up till now, and that's around fifteen hundred lesser than the best team in the league, that's Mumbai City up till now. So I think he's not creating this. That that's that's that makes sense because if a if a team that's extremely relying on set pieces, uh, relying on long balls, you know, trying to put the ball forward and trying to take it on from there. Uh, that's a way to play, definitely. Uh, no doubt, that's, that's uh, there's nothing wrong in it, but that's not really bearing a lot of fruit for uh, uh, for Bangalore up till now because I, I'm really disappointed in the way they want to play because down the wings, he wants to use Ashik and Udanta putting in crosses and I think that hasn't worked because they've shanked a lot of crosses and I think Chetri for, for, the, for India's uh, talisman, I think it's extremely... Uh, it has been few games now that he's been really out of it. Uh, we haven't seen much of Chetri. I don't think he's getting the best out of him. Uh, so And also the two foreign strikers, new foreign strikers in Celta uh, Silva and uh, Opset. I, I don't think they're getting the best out of him either. So up, I, I really don't know. I think they have to simplify things now. Uh, because uh, if you simplify things for the team, I think that's when uh, they can you know play their own football. They are... Extreme. Do you think there's a problem that uh, the players aren't able to express themselves under the coach's instruction? Do you think this is a problem? Because a lot of teams have this problem. Uh, I've I've been a critic of Carlos Quadrat since last season when BFC, for the first time in the history really, and it's a short history of course, but didn't fail to lift a trophy in the season and didn't even come close really, realistically speaking. Um, were nowhere in the league. Um, they were quite lucky to be in the playoffs in the first place. Um, and I think it's, it's more of a matter of they've lost a lot of um, you know, specialized coaches in that team. When you, I mean, Carlos Quadrat, for all intentions and purposes, in my eyes, is a set piece coach. And he's probably the world's best set piece coach, or one of the best in the world, maybe in the top three, top five in that category. But he lost a very, very valuable assistant in Gerard Zaragoza, who left the club for, uh, I think it was Saudi Arabia or, or the Middle East, really, for a fantastic opportunity that he himself had. And I think Gerard Zaragoza, the season that BFC won the Indian Super League, he was key to retaining that, that style that they developed under Albert Roca. He was almost like an evolution of what Roca had, had built and he got BFC over the line that season. But ever since his departure, it, it seems like they don't really have those um, those experts in the camp anymore that probably would go to Carlos and say, you know, this is what you need right now uh, in order to address the problems of no chances from open play, not controlling the ball enough, not keeping the ball in the right areas and just cluelessness. Uh, you mentioned Christian Opseth has looked absolutely out of sorts. It is unbelievable when you think about the similarities between him and Manuel Onwu who signed last year. 
both who were signed up as a target man and there is nothing really that suggests that they're right fit for the team so i mean it, it has to come down to the coach I, i can't really say it's a player because this player is from norway um he played in the a league last season what do you expect from him i mean he's not going to come and slot into the team and bang in you know 20 goals already um so when you see i think the danger signs are when you see ashik starting at left back and playing more like a winger and chetri playing more like a left wing back that's when the the alarm bell should ring in carlos's head and he himself has just tweeted right now um saying that they've scored three goals from throw-ins this season um last year i think the highest number of goals were scored from corners this year it's throw-ins yes it's great it's great that you score goals through methods that are not conventional or kind of catch the team out by surprise but at the same time if you can't control the game if you can't keep any foot in the game um your leads don't matter you can be tuned up and you can lose the game and they've dropped points twice this season so um i think there are huge problems that they need to address as soon as possible because this is a long long issue that has plagued them for the last couple of years uh, i think this this is one this is a uh, extremely uh, insightful thing that you mentioned i think about uh, you know carlos assistant and i think this inside info uh, <laughs> that you have it's not really that... inside info he was at the touchline last season <laughs> But do you know how the um, the kind of impact that he's had uh, on the club uh, retaining Roca's style and the way they have played uh, that kind of plays out a lot that's a big factor in the way that coaches kind of manage because it's not only just the guy on the front on the touchline or the guy whose name is on the team sheet who's who's really making uh, the most of the uh, most of the team tick or most of the plans uh, in place for the team so i think this is something that probably has affected Carlos in uh, in, uh, you know looking at the bigger picture and how uh, Bangalore have uh gone on to to play yeah absolutely and uh, i mean the lack of chances is reflected very well in the expected points tally um uh, based on expected goals and this was tweeted by um ashish neki who you must follow if you follow indian football he's uh, one of the founders of kl now um he mentioned that bfc ranked last and i mean bottom of the league if the opposition score chances against them and bfc convert all the chances and um this shows i mean clearly we we do recognize that bfc have a good defense led by huanan and rahul beke and uh, harmanjot kabra but the only thing really saving them now um from absolute humiliation is gurpreet singh sandhu who has performed brilliantly over the past couple of games to really keep them in the game um and just looking up, up at the table really it paints a good picture on some of the teams that kind of play a bit more expansive and control the game a lot you you would expect to see the likes of mumbai city and fc go at the top and the, for sure because they create the most chances in the game um but one surprise in this table is uh, ranking second which is hyderabad fc um who you might you might if you watch the isl last season you might be in complete disarray over how they've completely turned around their season under manuel roca because I mean, for a club that was a bit of a joke at the end of last season, they were conceding goals for fun. Uh, to to come up with two clean sheets and have the most shots uh, for any team, of course, that's Halicharan Nazri's missiles into the seas that are uh, skewing that figure. But to have the chances created, um, it's a very positive sign for them. I uh, yeah, I think Manuel Roca's got you know somehow got the team very very much sorted that it wasn't so much uh, last season, and I think they have some good players. uh to look forward now you know the aridane santana the leading the line yeah holichar nazari has uh, you know taken 11 shots in three games uh, and i think that's an encouraging sign because that's a sign of a team that's confident of what they want to do 
because uh, you know i'm not a con- not a team that's not confident enough they're not going to try to take shots from uh, from anywhere it's not like they have the biggest names in union football either it's more like they've mixed a bit of youth and they've also added a bit of foreign steel in the defense in the midfield absolutely and i think uh, you know relying on players like ashish rai the mohammed yasir listen kolako these kind of uh, you know players who are talented who are uh, you know the the kind of you know, they have a lot of tricks up their sleeve uh, mixed up with the experience that the foreign players bring i think it's a it's a very good setup for hyderabad and they look very promising in that sense because uh, you know he, he he's not also relying a lot of foreigners at the same time uh, so i think manuel roca for him uh, he's got a side that's not the world beater uh, i think there's a lot of improvement that he can me- make but this is a side that can you know uh, get points and that's up till now uh, that's that's the key for hyderabad fc to you know and there i wouldn't say that's a complete uh, it's a complete uh, opposite of the last season but i think this is this is on the way to being a better team than what they started off from and i think that's a welcome change for for isl indeed because uh, hyderabad fc with the kind of players they have i think it's a good good team to have you know uh, challenging teams in uh, good for the competition uh, but who are the who are the kind of players that who has st- uh, stood out for you uh, for Hyderabad FC up till now yeah i think aridani santana has led the line well he hasn't got the goals that he deserves uh, but he's got in positions of of uh, scoring you know in the first game he missed a header that he probably would have admitted that he should have converted um he could have easily on his own um probably got them two wins out of the two draws that they got um but for hyderabad i think the biggest signing has to be subrata paul i don't think there's anyone who can uh, overstate his impact on that team because from from the bottoms of lakshminan kattimani and kamaljeet singh and the absolute disarray that defense had you know adil khan going to punch kamaljeet singh is probably one of the most iconic moments in indian football uh when you have uh, subrata roy at the back who has an error in him but is very very rare um you just have that that confidence in the defense that the def- the goalkeeper is going to stand up and i think Manuel Roca has believed in that, and he's he's gone with with what is an experienced backline, you must say, and I think that is that is paying off for him because so far they haven't conceded too many goals. I think at this point last year they had already conceded around ten goals. So, uh, great great work from Hyderabad, and we hope to see uh, what they do tonight because that is the biggest test of the season so far. They are playing eighty eighty K Mohan Bagan, who themselves are coming uh, after a shock loss. You have to say to Jamshedpur FC. So. Uh, is it is it reckoning time for ATK Mohan Bagan considering the amount of money they've splurged in the transfer market? I don't think so because I think Havas is in, uh, you know he's extremely certain of the of his methods and I I'm not sure one blip uh, along the way is gonna uh, make him change the way he wants to play uh, or he wants ATK to play. But yeah, there are some uh, areas that he has he's going to look on and that's the left flank. I think the left flank for ATK is somehow uh, you know you can say it's it's kind of paralyzed and this and this is no disrespect to shivashish uh, shivashish bosh on the left flank because i think defensively he's been very solid he's not known for his attack, attacking uh, prowess so you can't blame him for not uh, being yeah i mean you can't put him up against suicide i mean suicide raj is is a brilliant player in that position and he he showed that last year he was the only man who could play in that position really uh, absolutely and and you know in terms of in terms of crosses uh, you know crosses that have crosses that were extremely essential for uh, atk to have you know to to be uh, scoring from i think uh, there's a stark difference in what pravi das is uh, uh, kind of brought to the table and what uh, shivashish boy uh, shivashish bosh uh, could have uh, 
has also because I think uh, Praveen has you know the doubled the number of crosses as that uh, Shubhashish has uh, this season, and and that's why I think that's one more uh, one more place where ATK needs to improve. And you know, just looking at the team sheet, it comes from a fan that they want to see expansive football from a team that, like that. But maybe that's just not how the coach wants to play. And and I know he has he has two titles in the bag, so you can't argue with Habas and say no, what you're doing is wrong. So that's just something that ATK Mohanbagan is not going to uh, change. So you expect them again to probably have a very drab game uh, to be defensively extremely solid and uh, you know scoring that one goal that's going to give them the three points you know uh, so you know, I don't know what they, what your XG uh, statistics say but I'm thinking that they should be very high on it because less chances and uh, uh, more goals more conversion rate I think should give them a good uh, healthy XG uh, to back the kind of play that they want the, the style of play that the football they want to play so and with the strikers that they have this, there's no question that ATK Mohanbagan is the favourite going into this match also yeah I think Antonio Habas is certainly or Senor Habas which I still don't understand why they call him that uh, is definitely the Jose Mourinho of Indian football um, I don't think he'd bat an eyelid on expected goals I don't think that's his forte it's more about if he had a statistic called expected clean sheets I think he would be excited by that but uh, on that note you know it's uh, it's a roundup of this week's action of the Indian Super League do stay tuned though on Sunday for the fans derby um, the Kerala Blasters against Bengaluru FC uh, all started by a bit of banter two years ago um, I wasn't at the stadium but it was very hilarious to know that um, you know Kerala fans took it upon them very seriously when their homeboy and um, a player very close to the heart CK Vineet participated in banter against the club and it became known as a rivalry which it isn't it's just a fan um, a bit of fan uh, banter here and there so uh, stay tuned to this week we will be back next week and we will be back before uh, what is another big game on Wednesday uh, between ATK Mohan Bagan and FC Goa so do stay tuned to the ISL and make sure you follow us on all our channels across YouTube Instagram Twitter and Spotify so have a good week and we'll see you next week goodbye from us <laughs> <laughs>